0: A lot of the times, what creates that peace is money. Not all of it, but a good chunk of it. A lot of us spend so many waking hours stressing and worrying and and freaking ourselves out about money. Welcome to the Life Coach Baker podcast. I'm Nicole Baker, life coach for perfectionists who want to set goals and actually follow through with them. I went to my first personal development seminar at the age of one. Yes, I was quite literally born into this industry. But by 15, I started to implement this mindset mumbo jumbo I'd heard so much about, and it worked. As a recovering perfectionist myself, I've been able to set goals that are way out of my comfort zone and achieve them by doing things imperfectly, without self-judgment, and without the fear of their opinions. And now I help others to do the same. So if you are capital D done feeling like a hostage to this a-hole called perfectionism, then this show is for you. My goal is for you to leave each episode with tactical action steps that you can start to implement in your life now. I may be in my 20s. I may have the voice of a sassier Cinderella, but I've been doing this personal development-ish since I was a toddler. So let's dive in. What is up, my sweet friends? Welcome back to another episode of the Life Coach Baker Podcast. We're continuing on today with our, surprise, three-part series. It's actually been extended to a third part, all about money. Just recently, I did a um, big raffle with my email list where if you submit a topic to the life coach baker podcast your name is entered into a raffle and you get a free goal smasher which by the way if you missed out on this and you're like what i want to be a part of this in the future make sure you are on my email list you can do so by literally just taking the quiz and figuring out what type of perfectionist you are you will get added to my email list that that way but you also get a really fun cool bit of information about yourself and how life is for you as a perfectionist so it's a little bit fun but overwhelmingly so the submission topic ideas were asking about money this was anything from how do I not feel so icky about money um how do I charge my worth how do I feel like I'm worth charging was a really big one and it breaks my heart how often this is coming up but I felt it I know a lot of other people mainly women but I'm not going to make it a male female thing um we've, a lot of people have felt this way. So we're going to be talking about that a lot today. And then also charging, how to know what to charge, which is a really good question. No one freaking teaches us this. And we see on Instagram from a bunch of different business coaches that are like, charge your worth, raise your rates, define your, like, make sure you're charging your worth. And I get so angry. (laughs) I get so angry when I see that because I'm like, What does that mean? What does charging your worth mean? We can't put a price point on our worth as a freaking human being. I'm not going to get on my soapbox with that, but it makes me very mad. So one of the things we're going to be talking about today, I'm kind of looking at this as like a two main topics episode, which are how the hell to figure out what you charge and how what's an easy way to figure out a good starting number or a good next number for you and then how to make it feel easier to be honest there are so many different ways that we can make it feel shitty and hard and like we don't deserve it but I wanted to dive into about five ways that will make it easier for you to say this is my price point and not feel like you need to be like is that okay do you want to buy it which makes us totally not feel good about ourselves and thus our business. So, um, I'm I'm really looking forward to talking about today. I also did decide to extend this to a three part series because earlier this morning I was writing out the um, outline for this episode, and I was thinking about last week's episode about money mindset, this week's episode about charging, and I was like, something's missing, something's not here, and. I realized I was like, oh, it's kind of more like the miscellaneous stuff. Money is such a huge topic, and I'm not going to even pretend that I can brush the surface off of it. But what my goal with this series was to make it feel less daunting, to make it feel less like a cloudy mist topic where we just don't really discuss it, but we have to discuss it because it's part of daily life, but we also can't discuss it because that makes it a bad person. Whatever. Whatever. I wanted to clarify some things and make it so that, oh, this is actually a topic that not only I can dive into, but I can live in guilt free, um, which has been a huge part of my money journey the past few years. And it's been really, really lovely. So I decided to extend it to a third part series, which is going to be part three is now going to be what are some habits I personally have around money? that have really made my journey easier. Now I say this all in the episode because I actually, spoiler alert, recorded it before this one, but I say it in the episode. I'm not a CFA, I'm not a CPA, I'm not a financial advisor, I'm not a whatever, but this is just a bunch of things, including this stuff, that have worked for me personally, that have worked for my clients, that I've read about in the... Hundreds of books and hours of podcasts I've listened to about money. So please take it with a grain of salt. Not everyone's money journey is the same. So really do your own research and figure out what works best for you. So before we get into the topic today, let's talk about some quick segments, shall we? First of all, how was I imperfect this week? I'm going to actually extend this because this is not really just a this week thing. This is a, (laughs) how have I been imperfect the past two months? And um, unfortunately, I'm going to go into a small backstory, but um, unfortunately, we got word from our venue that our, our venue is not a venue anymore, basically. And the perfect, beautiful, absolutely beyond our wildest dreams place to get married in 2023 was pretty rapidly ripped off the table. I sh- I shattered. I'm not going to even lie. I was furious. I was angry. We have had a very difficult time finding a venue because we're looking for something kind of not traditional in a sense of like an actual wedding venue. We're doing an Airbnb and it's proving to be a lot more difficult than we thought. But having been engaged for almost a year now and still having to go back to the drawing board with a venue was like one of the biggest blows. And I was furious and it, it sucked. I don't know how else to describe it, but also what I learned over time because I I broke down. To be honest, there's a lot of other stuff going on that I personally don't want to get into the details of, but it was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. And I gave myself a minute to just be human and fall apart and put myself back together. And the nice thing though, is that I took the time to do that. And that's really the imperfection and how I came in here. Because what I would have done three or four years ago was put it off to the side and say, okay, shape up, Nicole, come on, you got to, got to keep going, got to push through. And I would have been doing it for all the wrong reasons. I think that there's a time and a place to kind of be like, okay, we're not going to wallow. We're going to just brush ourselves off and keep going. But I think that giving you the space and giving yourself the time to like actually feel a feeling is incredibly important. And to be honest, that's a lesson I had to learn the hard way. And I really gave myself the time to feel this feeling and get angry and be sad and mourn the wedding that I was so excited for. And now luckily we are in a position where we got back into research we said okay the perfect venue is out there this is just a like uh this was supposed to happen for some whatever reason and we ended up finding another two that we're really excited about and we're actually seeing on Friday so exciting stuff all around but it was definitely one of those moments that was like oh my god are you freaking kidding me but giving myself the time to feel that out, be angry, be sad, mourn that loss was really important. Then the goal to celebrate is, I can't believe I'm even saying this. Um, First and foremost, the reason we do goal to celebrate every week is because we're so bad at celebrating ourselves. Um, We're always really good at saying, what's next? What's next? What's next? You know what? I like totally did this hurdle that I thought was impossible once but it's actually not that big of a deal. So I'm going to totally downplay it and just say that I'm not at the next point already, so I should be myself up for it. And that's no way to live a life and it's no way to set goals, right? So one of my goals to celebrate, which can always be really, really big, it can be really, really small, it can be absolutely microscopic, um, which I love. Like goals are not defined by a size or a flashiness, my friends. But today does happen to me a rather large one. And that was... I submitted my TED Talk. I submitted a um, application to do a TED Talk. And I'm. this is something that I told my, my coach, actually, um, at the beginning of the year. I was like, okay, in the next five years, I really want to do a TED Talk. And she goes, okay, great. I want you to research how to do one this week. And I was like, well, what? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? She's like, Nicole, you've been a motivational speaker. You've been a podcaster. You know how to speak to an audience. You know how to teach do it now. Like, submit now. You never know. It might take you five years to get a yes, but you might as well start that process now. And I was like, fuck, you're right. Oh my god. So I get a message from her the next day that said, hey, I figured out you can actually submit people in order to do a TED Talk. And I submitted you, just so you know. You might want to get your application in in the next few weeks. (laughs) She obviously said it much nicer. But um, we've been working on it. It is It is in. I am freaking so jazzed. But something I have learned is that it's really helpful if people submit your name to do a TED Talk. So if anyone feels so inclined, if you're like, you know what, Nicole, I want to help you realize this dream, I would literally kiss the ground you walk on with gratitude. I'll put the link in the show notes for if anyone feels so inclined to submit me for a TED Talk. But I have learned that the more people that submit, the more likely it is to happen. And I'm just unbelievably excited. Again, this is something that I thought was a five-year goal and it's January 2022. I thought about this January 1st, 2022. And the fact that it's already showing up, not even in like real ways, but just, excuse me, blah, blah, blah. And the fact that it's showing up, obviously not in like a booked date, but it's showing up in a way of taking the steps towards making it happen is really, really, really cool. Also, my coach said the most amazing thing that totally blew my mind that I want you guys to hear as well. I was sending her the draft and I was like, oh God, like this just doesn't feel right. Like I'm so nervous. Like what if this isn't kind of like, I wasn't saying this exactly, but my sub, my, my subtext was what if this isn't good enough, basically. And she was like, Nicole, this is your first draft. This is the first time you are sending this in. Think about it this way. You're just going to be refining it and refining it and refining it. And someday you're going to do a TED talk, but this is just your draft number one on your route to refining your TED talk. And I was like, oh my God, you are so right. So I thought that was brilliant. I think that there's definitely some ways that you can use that in your own life, but I'm really excited. And I'm not going to lie. There was a part of me that was like, I shouldn't mention the TED talk on the, on the podcast because what if it doesn't happen? And then I was like, fuck it. Like what if it doesn't, if it doesn't, something else amazing is going to happen but I'm taking actions towards uh, uh, realizing a goal of mine that I thought was very, very far away. And I hope that that inspires you to say, maybe my goals aren't that far away also. So exciting stuff. Again, if you feel so inclined to submit me to do a TED Talk, I would literally be so incredibly grateful. The URL is below in the show notes. So if you want to, it is right on there. Alrighty, let's dive into the meat of today's episode, or part one of the meat of today's episode, which is a three-part series, because that's not confusing, Nicole, um, and that is charging. How to charge as a perfectionist. I think as a service provider, we often see people charging loads and feel like we need to be charging that amount of money, and a lot of the times, especially if you're just starting or in your first few years, it it can totally freak you out feeling like you need to like be charging thousands and thousands and thousands more than you currently are. And then you feel like you're needing to beat yourself up for not being at that level yet. And there's just a lot of shame around it. So I'm going to go out on an opinion that might make me very unpopular. That whole You have to raise your prices. You have to raise your prices. You have to raise your prices for the sake of raising prices. I don't believe in it. Sorry, I really don't. Now, I do believe that there's a time and a place that you probably should step into raising your prices. I think that there's probably like a thousand reasons, but here are the three that are coming to my mind. You've been doing the same price for a while and you're getting massive results for people and you feel like it's time for you to level up. Number two, your current price feels almost like you've outgrown it. When you pitch it to people, it feels like, kind of like, oh god, it's only this much. Or like, god, I feel like that's really outdated. That's another reason. If it feels uncomfortable, but in the not like, oh my god, that's so uncomfortable and scary number, but in the like, that feels uncomfortable because I've outgrown it number. If it feels like your pair of childhood snow pants and you're trying to fit into them as a thirty year old adult, you, it's time to raise your prices. And then number 3, you're not attracting your ideal customer. And I'm going to talk about that more in a second because to be honest, the cheaper is not always better. I used to be someone who would go to Forever 21, find the like $3 shirt sales area and buy whatever I found because it was $3. It didn't matter if it looked good on me, it didn't matter if it was my size. It didn't matter if I absolutely hated the color. I would buy it and I would call it a day while simultaneously I was wondering why I just hated my closet, why nothing I wore felt good and why I just felt, to be honest, cheap. Now, apparently the fact that these two things were linked didn't really cross my mind ever until a long time later when finally I started dating someone who, um, which is now my fiance, but he tends to value more quality over quantity where I was doing the exact opposite. And so he started like showing me the ways and I was like, oh wait, this actually makes me feel so much better. Not having my closet overflowing with cheap clothes that make me feel not proud, not confident. And instead, now I have a incredibly specific capsule closet, actually, which if you guys want to hear an episode on capsule wardrobes, I'm obsessed with them. I think they're really, really fun. Let me know. Um, But now I have a capsule closet with items of clothes that are all more investment pieces. Doesn't mean they're all wildly expensive, like Neiman Marcus, but they're all things that make me feel really, really good and like the person I want to become. I've decided not to buy things because they're cheap anymore. I buy things instead because they make me feel like I'm leveling up. I started doing this when I was really, really, really into this idea of stepping into the person I wanted to be. <laughs> I say that as if its past tense. I'm still obsessed with that idea because I think it's a never-ending journey. We're always leveling up. But in order to become a certain type of person, you have to adopt their habits way before you ever become that person. Um, there's a great quote that says, like, the life you want to live five years from now, you're creating today. And I think that that can come up in clothes also. And I was really not living into that when I was wearing my $3 shirts all the time. So now I love to dress as a CEO. I wanna be five years from now. And sometimes that's wearing like a blazer, a really cute top, some jeans, a belt, my sneaker heels and feeling like I'm actually taking on the world. And sometimes that is like today when I'm doing a total behind the scenes day and just recording podcasts in the dark, I'm wearing really cute leggings and a sport top that makes me feel really good. And it's just the quality of it that's changed. It's not the, the, the niceness of the outfit itself, if that makes sense. Now, why does this, what does this have to do with charging? There are going to be people who want the cheaper option. If that is your ideal client, that's great. Then quantity is what you're after there. If in order to make money or if going full-time in your business is is one of the things, quantity is going to be the way, if you have a cheaper product or a cheaper option, quantity is going to be the way for you to make more money and go full-time in your business or reach the next income level in your business. However, if your ICA or your ideal client avatar is wanting quality, let's say for example, they want the Neiman Marcus coat over the one from H&M, then you better start charging what they feel like is quality. Now, here's what I thought was really interesting. I was at I was watching Shark Tank. It was on in the background a few weeks ago. I'm normally not a big reality TV show person, but something about this show really piques my interest. I think it's very interesting. Um, and there was a company on there. It was two guys who were creating a food market, I'm gonna call it for lack of a better word, kind of like a grab and go situation where they would go into company or excuse me into neighborhoods of all different incomes and if they were in a lower income neighborhood they would charge numerous dollars less for the same products as they would in a higher level income neighborhood where they would charge several more dollars for the same product. Because if you were to go into that lower income neighborhood and charge $9 for a salad, the odds of people wanting to purchase that are not very high. Now, of course, the, be- the beautiful mission behind this company, and I really hope they're doing well. They did not get picked up, but to be honest, I think it's because they were too successful already. Um, the-, the company makes really high quality, healthy foods available to people in all income areas, which is like, oh my God, I love that so much. That makes me so happy. But um, one of the big things on this this food company I loved is that they did scale inc- or they did scale um, pricing, and that's kind of what I'm wanting you guys to wrap your mind around here. So that brings me into basically the house the how-to steps on how to charge. This is how I personally think of charging. There are some business coaches out there who highly disagree with me, and that's fine. Use the one that feels right for you, but this is just my opinion. I get extraordinarily clear on who my ideal client or ideal purchaser is for, depending on if you have a service-based product or, or excuse me, a service-based business or a product-based business. I got really clear on who my ideal customer is and I got really clear on what their income is and what they can afford. If I am wanting to market high-level executive coaching, which causes which costs like, I don't know, uh, let's say $30,000 or whatever, there's some coaches who, co- who cost that much, but I'm marketing to people who make, you know, $24,000 a year, that's not going to add up, right? Whereas instead, if I am doing that same executive high-level coaching for $30,000, and I go to places and markets that are making $600,000 a year, that lines up a lot more. So you have to get really clear on who your ideal client is, and what's their income. Because you want obviously it to be a stretch purchase for them, depending on what your your product is. Um, For coaching, it's normally you want it to be a little bit of a stretch because if it's not, they won't take it as seriously. But also, you don't want it to be too much of a stretch where it's like, oh God, no, there's no way. You also don't want it to be too easy of something to hit because then they, A, like I said, won't take it as seriously, or they might say, ooh, it's only that much. Well, they might not be the level that I'm wanting them to be. I wanna be someone a little bit higher. Now, that's personally my more ideal client. There are some people who want it to be an easy yes, absolutely, and that's fine. But then again, it goes down to lowering your price and or keeping it low, depending on what it currently is, and getting more of that quality over quantity. But the main thing I'm wanting to hit on is don't just come up with a number because it feels good to you, do your research. You wanna make sure that your business is successful. In order to do that, you need to know who you're marketing to, and that includes what you price this thing at. New Year's resolutions are here. Now, whether that fills you with excitement or total dread, Did you know that 90% of New Year's resolutions fail by February? February! And that percentage only gets higher for perfectionists. You know, because all of that, all or nothing, not being productive equals I'm lazy, high expectations crap that you're so used to. Now, if you listen to this podcast, I know you're reaching for more. More goals. More stepping into your own power. More fuck yes, I'm awesome moments in your life and of course, less perfectionism. That's why this New Year's, I don't want you to fall prey to the resolution doom. In Goal Smasher, my goal setting course specifically made for perfectionists, hi, that's you, you'll learn exactly how to clarify those big, bad, beautiful, high expectation goals that you have. You'll learn exactly how to start pursuing them without burnout, overwhelm, or procrastination. Plus, you'll learn the personal development secret sauce that turns I don't want to into I can and I will creating consistent motivation for yourself. P.S. This is the biggest reason why New Year's resolutions fail and we have an entire module devoted to it. You can literally start the first lesson of Goal Smasher today. Literally, you can start diving into it right after you listen to this episode. Get your hands on Goal Smasher by going to lifecoachbaker.com forward slash Goal Smasher or by clicking the link in the show notes. Now, back to the episode. Now, something I did when I first started out was I did a crap ton of market research, to be honest. I would interview, I think I interviewed like 15 people when I was making a course when I was still coaching actors. The course was called Take 5, and I... I interviewed, again, probably like 15 people, and I told them, here's what this is going to teach you. Here's what you're going to walk away from. Is that something you'd be interested in? And they said, oh my gosh, absolutely, yeah. They said, great. What's the, well, how much would you pay for this? Just out of curiosity. And first of all, I kind of had to tell people, I will take no offense to whatever number you say. This is just really good information for me to know. Reminding them that there was no emotional outcome to it really helped calm them down because that's a question that people like during in the headlights. They're like, oh, what? What do you want me to ask? When you take the emotional outcome away from it, it helps a lot but I would get numbers that were a great range. Some people would say somewhere in the neighborhood of two figures, some people in the neighborhood of four figures. It really depended, but it gave me an idea on a median so that I could see if that aligned with me and then take action from there. Sometimes what I do is I find a nice happy medium. Let's say for instance, I personally feel like um, I don't know, let's make up some easy numbers. 10,000 feels like a really good number to me, but 5,000 is ten, tends to be what the market is ranging around. Then I'll meet somewhere in the middle, maybe a little bit more close to the market. Again, I want to make sure that I am marketing to the people who I want to buy this product. If they can't buy this product, then there's no reason. So I think it's really important to think about it from their perspective, And make it a really easy, sometimes a stretch, yes, but still something to to consider purchasing. So for instance, let's say you're a jewelry making business and you have a pair of earrings that are $150. You know, some people would see that and be like, oh my gosh, yes, those are such special earrings. I would wear them, you know, like all the time or I'd wear them just for really special occasions. It is worth that investment for me. Some people would look at that and say, are you freaking kidding me? That's way too much money for a pair of earrings. You want to make sure you're marketing to the people who would say, absolutely, that investment is worth it. But in order to figure out what that marketing is, you need to make sure you know your ideal client inside and out. If you just do a quick Google search on, I think it's like questions to answer about your ideal client avatar or ICA, you will get hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of questions ranging from, uh, what are their biggest fears? What are the grocery stores they shop at? By the way, that's a really good idea to figure out what their income is, by the way. Um, what their, um, are they in a rural area? Are they in a more city vibe? What do they spend their money on? Um, so many different things, but it's really important to do that. I have heard so many different podcasts, talk about when it comes to pricing, just charging what feels right to you. Here's what, here's how I find that very frustrating, especially when it comes to perfectionists. What feels right for you might be massively undervaluing yourself. It might feel like I don't deserve to charge that amount. I don't deserve to be making money. I don't deserve to be asking someone for $150 per earring. And I think that when it comes to perfectionism, having more of that strategic structure is a lot more helpful. Now, here's where it gets more fun. Because when you look at your average ICA income and how much they would probably afford to spend on your product or your service, you might be a little freaked out by that number. It might be a lot higher, for instance. Like I know, for instance, mine was way higher when I first started, um coaching, it was way higher than what I was charging, and it freaked me out because that whole narrative of, I don't deserve to be charging that amount came up. So I want to talk about some ways to make it easier for you to start, I'm going to put massive air quotes and an eye roll behind this, charging your worth. So number one is listing out 10 reasons why you deserve money. This freaks your subconscious out, and I love it. If your immediate thought is, but I don't, I don't deserve money, go back and listen to last week's episode and do the damn exercise. It is so invaluable when it comes to answering this question. But if your next immediate thought is, okay, but I gotta make sure it's attached to um, feeding the hungry or saving children in X place or um, whatever, like making sure it's attached to something else, because then that makes me a good person. If that's your reasoning, if it's from a place that is like, oh my God, I have to make sure I say this because that's what that's what good people do. If it's from that place and not like a place of like, that is actually so what I'm in, in alignment with. I absolutely want to do that. I want to make more money so I can donate this and feel really, really good, blah, 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 blah. If that's you, great, ignore the next five minutes. If you're saying it from a place of that's what good people should do, then I really what you're basically saying is if I say I deserve money because I freaking want more money, it makes me greedy or not a good person. You are allowed to want to make more money for many different reasons. And one of those reasons can be you, can be making more money for you. If you are a service provider, it's a lot harder to provide a service When you're stressed out, when you're working for pennies, when you're burnt out, and when you're stressed of where you're going to pay your bills from. If you are from that, like I know for me, when I was more stressed when it came to money, especially in my business, I didn't show up as a good coach because I was stressed because my brain was fogged to high heaven with worries about money. It is a lot easier to be a service provider. And by the way, this is not just service. This is also product businesses too. You can't make earrings for five hours a night if you're um, <laughs> needing to sleep or stress or cry in your bathroom. Like that's a lot harder to do. I don't know why I'm so on earrings tonight. I, I just bought a new pair. That's probably why. But it's a lot easier as a service provider or a product provider or an entrepreneur It's a lot easier to show up and be a good provider of the service or product if you have a sense of peace in your own life. A lot of the times, what creates that peace is money. Not all of it, but a good chunk of it. A lot of us spend so many waking hours stressing and worrying and and freaking ourselves out about money. When we have that element under control and when it feels like it's in a good place, we have so much more space open to feel peace, to feel joy, to feel clarity on something else that we might want to do. So please do not be afraid to list on these 10 things something about you deserving it because you damn deserve it. Like for instance, one of my favorite ones is I deserve it because I deserve the peace it brings me in my daily life. Say that, say that to yourself and see how it feels. Please do not be afraid to make this about you or your finances or about you wanting to realize your lifelong dream of buying a, a freaking private plane with your four best friends. Like there's there's so much joy that money can bring us. I love, there's a quote that says, money brings you freedom and options. And I really like freedom and options. I think that's from, I uh, You're a Badass at Making Money by Jen Sincero. But this actually, this exercise, now that I think about it, comes from her book. So I'm gonna cite this, my bad. Um, Listing out 10 reasons why you deserve money is actually now I'm, I'm remembering. It's from the first chapter of that book. It's the very first question in the entire book. Just read the book, it's so freaking good. But this is a really good way to freak out your subconscious and make it start rewriting that script about, oh wait, I actually do deserve to charge. I do deserve to make money because it'll bring so many X into my life. Number two, the not not at all sexy one. Get clear on your numbers. Again, this is not sexy, but this is absolutely necessary. What is the overhead in your business? That includes subscriptions, contractors, delegations, coaches, hi, yes, we are tax deductible and we are part of the overhead, thank you very much, but please deduct your coaching on your taxes. Books, courses, etc. anything that is needed for you to run your business, that is the overhead. Then what's your average monthly income? Line them up. How do they look? If you subtract your overhead from your Average monthly income, are you happy with that number? Please do this. This is important. This is one people like to avoid because they're like, oh God, that's really scary. I don't want to look at my numbers. You know, I think it's this. It's fine. It's fine. I don't need to do that. Do it. This is so important. How does this help you feel better about charging? Because if you see that your average take home is $200. And you're like, oh my God, I do need to raise my prices because I want my average monthly take home to be $5,000. Then yeah, it's going to feel, it's just going to feel so much more clear. And there's going to be such a more powerful why behind it. And you're going to have data to back it up. It's that, do not ever underestimate the power of data when it comes to your mindset. It is important. Next, number three, pitch, 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 pitch. When I first started doing discovery calls, I would get so quiet when it came to discussing the price point. I would literally shy away. I would start breathing. I'll be here and I'd freak out. Sorry if I, you didn't hear the last 30 seconds. Basically, I would have a mother effing panic attack because I had this belief that if I'm charging, that means I'm greedy, I'm selfish, and I was charging pennies for my coaching to make myself feel better which actually didn't work at all because I ended up feeling more stressed and like it was never going to go full-time and like I was never enough as a coach, quote unquote. So when I first started working with my coach because I bit the bullet and I was like, if I want to make this my reality, I need to, I need help basically. Um, I told her, uh, no nonsense. I was like, I'm going to do whatever it takes to go full-time in my business because working three side jobs is not working for me right now. And so she said, great, how much are you charging? I told her my number, and she goes, okay, we're going to raise your prices. And I said, okay, thinking it would go up maybe like 100 or so. She said, nope, we're going to triple them. Remember from earlier, one of the major reasons to change your price points is because the first one or the current one feels massively undervalued? I felt massively undervalued. And so I decided, okay, tripling my prices feels fucking scary, but... I'm, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to go full-time in my business. I've also been in this industry literally my entire life. I'm really damn good at what I do. I'm worth charging a lot more. So I did. And shockingly, I started getting more discovery calls. I even landed two new clients at the new price point, not even three weeks later. Now here's what happened. I was horrible at pitching this new price point. But what I did is I would practice. I would literally get people on discovery calls, whether they signed on as a client or not, it didn't matter, and pitch my pricing. I would pitch it in the mirror by myself in the bathroom. I would pitch it on my voice notes app and then re-listen to it so that I could get comfortable pitching a price I felt way more aligned with. And actually, I ended up booking out my program for the better part of last year. And I I say this not only so you can start getting comfortable with your pitch, especially if you're a coach or if you're um, like someone who does, um, let's say like you build websites or branding or something like that. Normally you have discovery calls or um, strategy calls or whatever it is, whatever you call them, but you pitch your pricing at the end of it and you pitch your program. And if you shy away, your customer or your soon to be hopefully customer will feel it. And if instead you feel really fucking confident, in the amount that you charge, it makes them see that and say like, okay, she's charging $5,000 for this product, great. You know what? She seems really confident. I have no doubt in my mind that she's gonna get that shit done. Now, they might not think this consciously, but that's all the subtext that's happening there. So in order to do that, you gotta get comfortable pitching it. And this means that anytime you raise your prices, if it feels scary, practice the pitch more. I would literally get people, I had it for a while, I would... Maybe have a discovery call every three months. Like it was, it made me not feel very good about my business, but I was just starting, so it made sense, right? So I finally made the no nonsense decision that I was like, I wanna have a discovery call a week, minimum. I started getting to the point now where I have upwards of six discovery calls a week, but it got to the point where I was like, I was doing them so often that I got really good at pitching my program because A, I really believe in it. I've seen it change people's lives. So having that massive value attached to it, and I'm not saying this to you like, oh my gosh, I Nicole, we get it, your coaching program, whatever. I'm saying this because I believe my coaching program is exactly worth the amount that I'm charging for it because I've seen what it does to people. It changes people's lives and it makes me so incredibly grateful. So, but I would not have gotten there if I hadn't practiced and practiced and practiced. So- Practice in your mirror. Open up a Zoom room and just practice to your Zoom. Record it. Rewatch it. You might want to vomit in a corner, but rewatch it, rewatch it, rewatch it. Watch where you start to shy away. Watch where you start to get small. Watch where your voice goes quiet. And keep in mind, it really does make a huge difference. By the way, the more confident you feel about your pricing, that whole I don't deserve it bullshit, it's going to go away. Next, and this is probably one of my my personal favorites. I started partying down with visualization and universal inte- intelligence or god creation the universe whatever you want to call it doesn't matter. Something bigger than me. When I was first doing my business it was all numbers, numbers, data, data. And don't get me wrong, that stuff is really important. But when I started closing my eyes and seeing myself making the amount of money that I wanted to be making, signing the clients, changing their lives, and getting paid to do so, when I started seeing myself celebrating those moments, it started happening. Do I know the ins and outs and the science of this? Not really. Do I want to? God, yes. So freaking badly. But it's like, like 4,000 pages of information. And to be honest, I'm slowly making my way through it. But I, I can't stress this one enough. If you are not a woo hoo person, that's fine. I urge you to, if you, if you want to, or if you feel like, okay, fine, whatever, I hear about this so much, I guess I'd give it a try. I urge you to give it a try, to be honest, because when I started closing my eyes and visualizing making the amount of money I wanna be making, it started happening. I can't make this shit up. It was freaky. Freaky deaky times a million. In fact, whenever I am in a financial rut, because it's all ebb and flowing, right? I realize it's because a lot of my old beliefs and thoughts around money tend to come back. As a result, I've stopped doing a lot of the work, the everyday things to get me back on track and get me back in alignment. And it freaking shows. It shows up in my daily life. When I think about money, I get stressed or angry. And... I can't stand it. It makes me feel awful. And by the way, I don't show up as good of a coach whenever it is happening. So I end up really slamming it down real fast because being a good coach is part of the thing that gets me up in the morning. I love it. But so what I do whenever I realize like, oh crap, okay, we're falling back into old habits. Let's figure this out. I personally slam myself back into the new habits that make me feel like, my revenue gets to be large and in charge. So for me, those habits look like meditating, reading, journaling, exercising. Cause when I'm working out, I take a moment to like feel the energetics of money around me. When your heart rate's going really fast, it's a lot easier to feel the energy of the world. Visualizing, taking a moment with my dream board that has revenue goals all over it to just close my eyes and feel it. I have alarms that go off throughout the day. In fact, they go off while I'm recording this podcast and it me off. But I have alarms that go off throughout the day that remind me to get back in alignment. By the way, personally, I do do all of these at the same time. It's aggressive. It's a lot, but it works for me. When I'm in darker spaces, I tend to do whatever it takes to shock my subconscious out of it, especially when it comes to financial. And for some people, that might be too much. And that's okay. I didn't do all of these at once, like, one day decide to do every freaking one of these. They built over time. But now whenever I'm in a financial rut or a financial mindset rut, especially, I will slam all of these habits back into my life. Because for me, waking up my subconscious is that important when it comes to this stuff. For you, it might still be just as important, but doing all those things might not be setting yourself up for success. Do three of them, or think of three things that you've, thought about doing when it comes to money, like looking at your numbers and visualizing them growing 10X, but do something that connects you to that something bigger. Because as, (laughs) for some people I know it's not this way, but for me, whenever I would hear this, it was so annoying. I was like, give me the strategy, give me the tactics. Guess what? Sometimes it's bigger than the tactics. Sometimes it's bigger than strategy. But manifesting, when you're in that alignment, when you release that control, when you just visualize the end result and know it's coming for you, it it creates that reality around you. Not instantly, sometimes it takes a second. Be patient, but really and truly dabble into this. It has changed my life. So I hope you guys found this episode helpful. If you have questions about charging, and I didn't answer them in this episode, please feel free to send me an email. I am happy to answer your questions. This is a dense topic, this is hard, and to be honest, this is just one person's opinion when it comes to charging. There are about 50,000 other opinions, but this is personally what works well for me, what I've found works really well for my clients, and what I have read works really well and is massively successful in the many, many books and hours of podcasts that I've listened to around money. So take this with a grain of salt, but if this is something that sparked something in you, act on it, please. This is such a dense topic. And like I said, we're doing a part three next week that's kind of the miscellaneous, the extras, the habits that I do around money that help me feel fucking awesome around finances. If you guys... like you need a little extra accountability, if you feel like you need an extra TLC or making it more personal to you, I invite you, and seriously, no shit here, I invite you to a free 30-minute call with me. On these calls, we talk about what your goals are, what is currently holding you back, and how to break out of it. And no matter what happens, whether you're like, I'm totally signing on as a client or not, by the way, I do not make anyone say yes or no on these calls, that feels icky to me. I make sure you walk away with next action steps. That is extremely important to me. So if that feels like something you really need for your next step as a business owner, book a discovery call. I'm so excited to always connect with you guys more. And like I said, discovery calls, I used to do about six a week. And then I started doing one a week because my program was always booked out. Um, Now I have one spot available in my program and it will get filled. So if you feel like this is made for you, sign up for a discovery call. You can go to lifecoachbaker.com, book discovery calls like in the top bar, or you can just click the link in the show notes and it'll all be there. Also, if you loved this episode and you have a fellow entrepreneur in your life, share it with them. I'm sure they would love it, especially if they're like, what the fuck does charge your worth mean? which is a question that maybe plagued my thoughts for many, many years. Also, do not forget to rate and review the show. If you're on Apple Podcasts, just go way down to the bottom. There's a five-star rating system that you can click whatever stars you want. Obviously, I hope it's five, but I am a very biased source as the creator of this podcast. And then if you also want to write a little love note in the review section, it is extraordinarily helpful. But you guys, I love you all. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And go go make some money and feel fucking good doing it. I love you guys. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Life Coach Baker podcast. Don't forget to check out Goal Smasher, my step-by-step technique to help you set clear goals, create an overwhelm-free plan, and learn the secret for keeping your motivation consistent and high. Check it out by going to the link in the show notes or by searching lifecoachbaker.com forward slash Goal Smasher. Also take a moment to rate the podcast and write a review. It is the best way to get the word out there. Plus you'll get the chance of having your review read on the show. Until next time, I'll talk to you soon. Bye.